Verbally Effective with Ina Esco is an interview-style podcast that intersects art, culture, politics, and entertainment with a Memphis focus. With producer Sanaa Marie, each week I'm joined by a featured guest with roots in Memphis. Verbally Effective delves into each guest's personal journey to uncover the incredible stories fueling their purpose, the highs and lows of their pursuits, and how through their passion... They are moving the culture forward. Be sure to follow Verbally Effective and Ina Esco on Instagram. Also, download the Verbally Effective podcast on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play Music. Don't forget to check out the website and submit to be a guest at verballyeffective.com. Breaking news out of over thousands of applicants, the Verbally Effective podcast has been selected to showcase at the 2020 South by Southwest Festival in Austin, Texas. Ina Esco will be interviewing Taylor to the Stars and Memphis native Rich Fresh on the big stage. I'm Condi Anthony from WMC Action News 5. You can join me weekdays on Channel 5 at 5, 6, and 10 p.m. I'm hanging with Ina Esco on Verbally Effective. Hey yo, Mike check one two one two. It's DJ D Nice, and I'm rocking with Double E in a Esco with the Verbally Effective Podcast. I'm DJ BA right here, aka No Drama, aka Brandon Adams, and I'm verbally effective with my hands. And we listen to these turntables, we listen to this music, and music speaks. How many of y'all feel the music when y'all out? Brandon Adams, aka DJ BA, was born in Raleigh, North Carolina and raised in Youngsville, North Carolina. He graduated from Franklinton High School and is now living in Memphis, Tennessee. He has a beautiful three-year-old daughter by the name of Zaya Adams. Brandon is an active duty fire controlman, chief petty officer in the United States Navy. He has served for almost 16 years. After graduating boot camp, he remained in the Great Lakes and Chicago area at Navy school for six months before attending another Navy school in Virginia Beach for three months. His career so far has seen five sea deployments and has visited 20 countries multiple times. Also known as DJ BA, he first began to DJ December 2009 after purchasing his first DJ controller. While stationed overseas in the late 2010, he found his way forward being immersed in a melting pot of cultures. Returning to Jacksonville, Florida, he started to learn how to pursue his dream in America as a mobile DJ. A second tour overseas, after already being familiar with the scene, he wasted no time jumping into the island's major parties and clubs where the international vibes were plentiful. He knew he had to bring that same energy to wherever he went next, and Memphis, Tennessee was that destination. Hitting the city at full speed with no knowledge of anything in Memphis, within two years, he's managed to work his way to DJ at numerous high-level events, clubs, and private parties. In this short time as well, he's become one of Memphis' most respected turntablists. When Brandon isn't behind the turntables, he is also sought after by many of his camera work. With event photography as his getaway, you will catch him taking pictures at random venues around the city. Verbally effective, your double E, Ina Esco, in the building. We are at episode 99. Can you guys believe it? It has definitely been a journey, but I thank you guys so much for rocking with your double E, Ina Esco. And today I got one of my DJ partners in the building, DJ B.A. Brandon Adams, a.k.a. No Genre. What's up, DJ B.A.? Double E, double E. What's going on, Miss Ina Esco? How you feeling? I'm feeling great. How you feeling? I can't complain. You know, having a good day as usual, you know. Yes. You know what? You always seem to be happy all the time I see you. You always have a smile on your face. You like glow and like spew light. I, I try. <laughs> I you do. Really, yeah, I appreciate you that. You do. You got some good energy going. Definitely. That's why. That's how you got to do. You always got to remain positive. You know. I try to yes. tell people that all the time. So yes. Are you repping your Memphis Tigers? You see the ball. Yeah, Memphis okay. Tigers. T. I learned the chant the other day at the game. The, oh, it's like T I G E R S Tiger. See. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> 
They put me on it. They put oh, me on he it. did it. He did it. Well, how about them Tigers? Did you go to the games? I did go to the – I went to the football games. I went to three football games this okay. year. Um, had a funny time. Obviously, I went to the, the Memphis Navy game. Mm-hmm. Uh, I went to the SMU game. Did the whole Bill Street thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, was down there for – uh, the, the show, then went to tailgate. That was oh, quite an experience. Yeah. yeah, went to the game. Um, then we went to the AAC championship. Mm-hmm. You know, that was, it was cold, but we did it. Did um, it. Shout out to the Tigers for the win. So yeah, and fun. check it out. We going to the Cotton Bowl, right? Cotton Bowl with no Coach Norvell. Well, see, that means so, and that surprised me. I was like, <laughs> how did that happen? <laughs> I, I know. How did that happen? I saw the letter. I saw everything, and I was, I was like, as a football player myself, I'm like, how do you leave your team? Is that something that's common, or I, I have no idea. Like, I, if you were a coach, you wouldn't do it like that. Absolutely not. I mean, how? Like, I get it. There's money and figures, but even then, as Florida State, how do you tell the coach for the team that you're taking them from just to bet on them on a championship? I don't know. There's obviously something behind it that something, we don't know. Some behind. Somebody making more money than Must we do. Must be that cheese. Make bottom line. Got to be what it is. Got to be, be the cheese. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, DJBA, we're gonna start from the beginning as we always do on the Verbally Effective Podcast. Now, what my listeners may not know is that you are not from Memphis 10. No, not at all. Not even from from? Memphis. Where are you from? Born and raised, Youngsville, North Carolina. Yeah, out there in the country. You might have to Google that one. Is that the country? It is the country. We had one stop. Stop slight, and it flashed in the middle of the town. Oh, that's real deal country. Yeah, yeah. I think um, it probably took me, what, 30 minutes to get to school, um, at the time, Pizza Hut didn't even deliver to our house. We had to meet them halfway there. Oh, like I'm wow. telling you, like we was out there in the middle of nowhere. But it was, I wouldn't change anything. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? That was probably the best time to grow up. We could play in the fields, ride four wheelers around their bikes. Didn't have to worry about city problems, issues, nothing. You know, mm-hmm. family was. I enjoyed it every bit of it. You know, so the next you, neighbor was like way over there. Were you guys near the beach? Is that by the no, beach? No, no, no. So it's right smack dag in the middle of North Carolina. Wow. Um, oddly, it's only like a 30 minute drive to get to Raleigh. Okay. Which is the capital. So, I mean, we was like, we was having a car. We'd be in the city. Okay. But um, to go to the schools and stuff, like my school um, was not even, like my graduating class was like 100 people. Wow. So, so that's yeah. a population in Youngsville of about what? I mean, it's probably, I mean, if you Google it now, it's obviously going to be, you know, up there. But um, probably back then, I don't know, maybe a few thousand, mm-hmm. if that. Okay. And then, um, yeah, Youngsville Elementary. Um, we had back and forth in middle schools. Uh, Franklinton High School is where I actually graduated. Um, but that was like a clash of two cities. Like, we had so few people in our schools, they had to combine them to make the wow. high schools. So, Youngsville was like predominantly white, and then Franklinton was predominantly black. Okay. So, when you clash them into the high school, mm. it's just a big mix of. How well, did that go? Well,. <laughs> How were the race relations at your high school? It was it was interesting. Um, me being half black and half white growing up, mm-hmm. um, there was only like I could count on two hands how many black people were in Youngsville Elementary School. Mm-hmm. So when and on the flip side, you could count how many white people were at Franklin High School. Okay, so when you mixed them all together, it was just kind of like everybody at first was like, "What's going on?" You know, you're freshman, you're like you're just mm-hmm. trying to figure out what's going on. About a sophomore, junior year, mm-hmm. everybody kind of figured out who was who and and figured out, you know what, this really doesn't matter. But it was in Franklinton. So that's where, you know, people would walk around the streets and they'd see all the, like, white people and be like, who is this guy? Like, <laughs> they was ready to get out of there. Right. They was ready. But I was pretty comfortable. I don't, oddly enough, I was pretty comfortable with okay. it. Okay. Now, what were you into in school? Were you into music back then? Everything. Everything? Everything. I was one of those kids that was into everything. Like, my parents didn't limit me to anything. Um, fortunately... I looked at the small school as opportunity. Mm-hmm. So um, in the small schools, you know, it's real easy to stand out when you are good at something. So mm-hmm. I was into like, sports, obviously, football, basketball, baseball, had a chance to run oh, track. Um, I was one of those scholar kids that got lucky to be in some of the smarter classes. Okay. So, Honors kid. Sometimes. Okay. And I didn't really apply myself at late. But. Yeah. <laughs> I got you. I got you. Now, what was your favorite sport? Um, oddly, my favorite sport was basketball. I wasn't that good at it, mm-hmm. but I made the team because I was an athlete. <laughs> but, you know, it was my favorite sport. It was just back and forth. Um, I was the best at football. Okay. Um, Who was your position? I was uh, a running back and a weak mm-hmm. side linebacker. Okay. Um, pound for pound, I was the strongest kid in the school. Mm-hmm. Uh, strongest kid in the county. You know, we had three high schools in the county. So mm-hmm. we didn't have, like, y'all got, like, what, 
15, 20 high yeah, schools in the city. Few. Imagine three sky schools in all of Shelby County. I, I can. I can. I know a lot about <laughs> some small towns yeah, now. Yeah. So, yeah, football was definitely what taught me a lot, you know, from the coach and the team and the opportunity there. Mm-hmm. Um, it was amazing. Like I said, it wouldn't change. But basketball, I'd sit on the bench and cheer the team on. Oh, you, you love know, basketball. I, I couldn't win for nothing. But, you know, every now and then, I didn't really get to play until my senior year. Mm-hmm. But um, I think just being on the team um, definitely taught me a lot. Learned a lot from the leaders, and I think that's kind of maybe why I was part of the team. Mm-hmm. Um, you had a lot that, of heart. Bringing that attitude, that heart, uh, mm-hmm. um, the defensive chair, that's somebody you have to have. You got to have those people on your team. You know, mm-hmm. at hindsight, twenty twenty. you got to have those people on your team that's going to yeah. push the team. Yeah. I was um, kind of like you with sports in high school because I played all the sports, but I excelled in volleyball. I was mm-hmm. a setter. But I played basketball, too. I was not cold in basketball, but I played great defense, right? That's what, yeah. And I had a lot of heart. And yes, yes. The coach always pointed it out. Look at Sagi. That exactly. was my maiden name. Look okay. at Sagi. <laughs> you, you see this girl complaining over here. Mm-hmm. You know, stuff and like when that. coach calls you out like that, you get motivated and you yeah. motivate the team and then yeah. they get fired up and that's when you go do it. Yeah. Yes. Now, do you come from a big family? No, uh, not at all, really. Um, it was just my mom, my dad. Um, I got a younger sister. Okay. She's about four years older than me. Um, and that was it. Okay. Are you and her still close? Absolutely. No, mm-hmm. I call her up, you know. She in North Carolina but, right yeah, now? Yeah, she in North Carolina, out there in Wake Forest. Okay. Uh, family's still in Wake Forest. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, definitely. Okay, so after you graduated high school, what did you do next? Whew. Well, I was graduated in 2003, okay. and the Navy recruited me in 2003. Did you want to go? I did. Okay. I was that kid that was like, oh, so when I played football, I had an opportunity to go to school for it. and But it, the problem was I didn't want to pay for it. Mm-hmm. So it was either I could go to a small school and get a scholarship. Like I had scholarships to um, Elizabeth City, um, A&T, mm-hmm. um, a few of the shop, like a few of the smaller schools that were just like, like, hey, this guy's great. Yo, bring him on. He, I know he could do something. Or I could walk on to some bigger schools. Mm-hmm. Um, I was interested in like ECU. Um, NC State, like I really knew that if I applied myself, I could go be a part of the program, but I was limited. I knew I was going to be limited to be a part of the program, mm-hmm. and it wasn't. I wasn't going to go to the NFL. So I was like, what do I do? You know, like what would I go to school for? So I said, guess what? <laughs> the Navy is over here. They said they're going to throw a little money my way. Mm-hmm. I said, all right, they're going to pay for college in the end. You're going to see the world. They, well, I wasn't even thinking about that at the time. You weren't thinking about I wasn't part. thinking about it. All I was thinking was I didn't want to pay for college. Like, yeah, I didn't right. want to grow up, like, in college paying for pizza every other weekend. And I knew, again, at the senior, my senior year, I started to slack off. Mm-hmm. And that's when I knew I was starting to slack off because I got complacent mm-hmm. in a smaller school. Mm-hmm. And, again, reflecting back 2020, um, I got complacent. Like I said, like my freshman, sophomore, junior year, everybody was like, oh, man, he's going to do something. He's going to do something. Then I got complacent. What made you get complacent that last year? It was like. There was no there was no challenge. There was no push because okay. um, like my coaches would push me. However, and they had tons of years of experience, but there was no push inside for me because mm-hmm. like, again, even though I wasn't the biggest kid, I was stronger than everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, and. And a lot of kids looked up to me at such a young age, and it didn't click mm. for me at such a young age. You didn't um, get distracted by a little girlfriend or nothing. <laughs> nah, not no. at all. Not at all. I, <laughs> yep, nope, nope. I didn't get distracted by <laughs> the ladies. Um, I had a girl my sophomore and junior year, and um, that kind of kept me on a straight path, you know. It worked out. Um, and then after that, you know, we didn't work out for the senior year. Um, I think I just kind of, like I said, just kind of started to – just get comfortable mm-hmm. when I should have stayed on it. If I had stayed on it, I probably still went to college, still would have ate pizza, but, you know, it would have been fun. But, yeah, hey. went straight to the Navy. They offered me, like, I think it was like $5,000. Mm-hmm. Um, 2003 graduated. I took the summer off. They didn't have a job for me. Mm-hmm. So in February 2004 is when I actually um, got to go to boot camp. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a job uh, at Eckerd's. You know, all through high school in the photo lab. Okay, I yeah. was in the photo lab what? at Walmart. Yes. Shout out to our photo technicians. I love <laughs> that job. That was the best job ever, wasn't it? Yes, you could be so creative. You meet so many people. Oh my gosh, you see the whole the whole city knows who you are. Yes. You going through that live, like right there in the middle, and you like, oh man. But yeah, 
That was yeah. the best job ever. I remember Eckerd's. Yeah, yeah. Way back in the day. If y'all mm-hmm. remember Eckerd's, and shout out to Eckerd's. It shout turned out to Eckerd's. <laughs> yes. It turned into like, I think CVS bought them out. Yeah. And then whoever bought CVS out. But yeah, way back in the day, Wake Forest. I knew everybody in Wake Forest mm-hmm. because they came and got their pictures done. This is before digital. Yes, this before is, digital. Yeah, you had to have you had to bring your camera yes. to the place to yes. get the film done. Yep. You had to pour the chemical in the machine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Put you had to do that. <laughs> oh, I love that yeah. job. Do you hear me, B.A.? Oh, that was the best. You had to put the paper in the box. Yeah, I've and... been making the guys be doing a lot of some of this stuff when they was at work. But yeah, oh, yeah, I would do yeah. it. We I... did all of that. Yeah, that was the best job ever. And then you see the smile on their face when they flipping through the <laughs> pictures. Like, oh, yes. I remember taking it because they don't get it back. Like some yes. of them would do the one hour. Yeah, but some of them would do like this week long. And yeah. then you see them come in and look at, them, oh, these are great. Yeah, like you did a great, and it just felt very fulfilling. But wait a minute, did you have the customers who pictures like did not? come out oh that was and the they worst. were pissed off that was the worst that was the worst <laughs> the worst i'm telling you so the explain worst explain that to them like it was either the fact that they were horrible photographers or you messed it exposure up. yeah you film. messed it up yeah and it, and how do you tell somebody that they lost a lifetime memory man because you we did baby wrong? they wanted to call the popos <laughs> on me before Bro, they'd be ready to burn the place down like this was my daughters like etc like whatever and like how do you explain that so uh, that's really i learned a lot at that job i was there for 10 i was there for about three and a half years Mm -hmm. um yeah i loved it my first job interview didn't go so well what happened (laughs) what you do ba nah my uh my mom was like you gotta get a job Mm -hmm. so i was like okay so the first job interview i ever got i walked in to subway Mm mm-hmm and the person was behind the counter. I got the opportunity to go. And she was like, all right, here's your interview. All you got to do is cut the bread. You know, when I tell you I messed that bread you all the way the up. You messed the bread? How you messed the bread up, B.A.? <laughs> I messed the bread up. The interview lasted for like five minutes. <laughs> oh, they like, nah, this ain't for you. can't cut the bread, no. So as we walked out the interview, mm-hmm. as I walked out of Subway, you know, my, my mom's best friend happened to be working at Eckerd. She walked in and gave me a job. Little did I know it was probably going to be the best thing that ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. So that's why I say everything happened for a reason right there. Everything happens for a reason. For real, for real. Yeah. Now let me ask you this. When you were in the Navy, um, did you travel a lot? From from day dot. That was the first time I got on a plane mm-hmm. um, and flew to Great Lakes where boot camp is. Mm-hmm. And when I left uh, North Carolina February 2004, there was 10 inches of snow on the ground Oof. in North Carolina. Mm. When I got to Great Lakes, there was 36 inches of snow oh. on the ground. And I was like, well, here we go. Mm-hmm. So get there. You get there in the middle of the night. And then, um, you know, it's that whole culture shock. That's the whole thing. They try to make sure that you, boom, right there before it hits you upside your head before you even know it. Mm-hmm. And then you hit the whole boot camp process. And then um, for two months, was in uh, Great Lakes, Chicago, Illinois. Um, doing the whole boot camp thing, uh, definitely learned a lot, new experiences, graduated from boot camp, and then I hung out in Great Lakes for about uh, the whole summer. Mm-hmm. Um, first time living, being somewhere else. Again. How was that experience? It was it was amazing. Like I was up there when Kanye West started dropping, the music oh, was popping, okay. um, like the vibes, like everybody, you around a bunch of people that don't know what they're doing with their lives, but we're going to figure it out together, don't worry. Um, it was good. It was good. It was um, definitely um, something that I would hope everybody gets to experience some way or some fashion, you know, whether it's college, you go to college, you know, for that first time, you don't know what's going on or like boot camp, our first time in the city or you move away. Yeah, a lot of people that don't 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 leave home don't get to experience that, uh, and it's more of them than yeah. not, you know. Yeah. But you know what, my brother, my well, my whole family is a military family. Oh, okay. So my dad, my uncles, my aunts, my brother. So I was the only one that didn't want to go to the military. I uh, was like, nah. My dad wanted me to go to the um, Air Force, and I was like, no, nah, I want to do the college thing. Okay. And he was like, well, you gonna have to figure out how you gonna pay for it. Then we go back with money, right? Mm-hmm. But fortunately, like I said, I had played. I was good in volleyball, and I got a scholarship, blah, blah, blah. But now when I look back on it, I'm like, I could have traveled the world. You oh, know, yeah. When I look back on it. From day dot, that's what I said. I went from Great Lakes to Virginia Beach, hung out over there, mm-hmm. and then went to Jacksonville, Florida, 
Uh, that was my first duty station. Um, mm. Was there for like, you know, I, well, I'm telling you, when I drove from North Carolina mm -hmm. to Florida, you cross that Florida line, that's when you see your first palm tree. And I'm like, oh, Fun shit, in the I sun. made it. Yeah. <laughs> I made it. So I got down to Duval County. Shout out uh -huh. to Duval. That's how we do I was a jag, big jag. Shout out to my fam in Duval. Um, that's a whole other country down there. Is it? By I've itself. I've never been there. Florida's a whole well, other country. I've been to Florida, country. but you said Duval. Duval County, that's the first. When you drive down that I-95, Duval County, Jacksonville, Florida. Oh, I had to go through that. Yeah, you had to go through it. When you pass through Jacksonville, that's Duval County, Jacksonville Jaguars, man. That they 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 live. Yeah. They live. That's Who the live. <laughs> For real. I, I loved it. Who live? But um Now what was your favorite area that you were stationed at? Well, ironically I've only been to three places. Okay. Stationed three places. I was in Jacksonville. Uh I've been stationed in Manama, Bahrain. And Where is that? It's a small, tiny island off the coast of Saudi Arabia. Oh, tell me about Bahrain. How do you say it? Bahrain. Well, Bahrain. they said like they'd be like Bahrain. Bahrain. Yeah, that's how they say it. But you know, we don't have that Arab accent. Mm -hmm. We just say Bahrain. <laughs> how was that? Um, it changed my life. Totally changed my life. Mm -hmm. Um, like when I was stationed in Jacksonville, we went on deployments, like in the Navy on the ships, and we would probably go out for like six, seven months at a time. And then on those deployments, um, we travel across the Atlantic typically, and we'll stop at you know a few European countries on the way, mm -hmm. um, and then we'll go through the Suez Canal, um, which like you'll see Egypt on one side, you'll see Saudi Arabia on the other side, and we'll go through there for a day. Um, we'll travel down and keep going around the Horn of Africa, mm -hmm. and then we'll come up through um, the Indian Ocean all the way up, and then we'll go through the um, I forget the name of it off the top of my head. But it's, again, right off the coast of Iran. It's between Iran and Oman, Straits of Hormuz. And mm -hmm. it's where you see a lot of the, the the news, a lot of the tensions happen right there through the Straits of Hormuz with oil traffic and, mm -hmm. and stuff like that. When you come through the Straits of Hormuz, you'll come into the Arabian Gulf. And then right there off the coast of Iran is a little Bahrain. island called Bahrain. And it is the melting pot of the Middle East. Mm. Um, everybody, just imagine there's an entire giant desert and you have all these very strict um, cultures around you. And then there's Bahrain. Wow. And like there's people from everywhere, Africa, there's people from the Philippines, mm -hmm. uh, Asia, the UK, Australia, the US has a strong presence mm -hmm. in the military. Um, the Saudis, they always come to Bahrain. Mm -hmm to um it's kind of like their little getaway spot mm -hmm. and then of course you got the Bahrainis there who are just like that's their spot that's it's their a home. safe place yeah that's their home so mm -hmm. it, it's crazy um I, I on the deployments we would pull in and we, I, we went there probably 10 15 times before I actually moved there and we usually stay wherever we go for about four to five days mm -hmm. so when we would pull in we go out um, get some food try to culture and then boom we're gone so we get enough time to, a week to see how it is and then move on. And when I got orders to leave Jacksonville to go to Bahrain, I didn't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking, I'm like, I'm just going to go out there, save some money, work out every now and then, and then come back with my pockets full and be done with it. Okay. Little did I know. What <laughs> Little did I know as soon as I get there. And it's like the culture is just like a shock. Like you go out and then, I mean, minus the nightlife. Um, cause the nightlife is something else, but minus mm. the nightlife, like the culture, like during the day, you go on time to the shops and the streets, um, just kind of like, like shopping is probably like the best experience there, um, on the shops and stuff. Cause you get to haggle with them. You get to like really get to know them. Um, you get those experiences where you see things like that's not in the stores mm -hmm. and that's probably like the best experience. Is it for the low, low? It, you can negotiate. It's all about your negotiation right, skills. Right. It's all about, like there's a price tag, but there's no price tag. Right. Like they'd say, hey, this is like 10 BD. And they'd be like, well, let me get it for five. And they'd be like, why would I give you this for five, my friend? Like this is good. This is good product. Yeah, this is a good product. <laughs> and then you just kind of sit there like, well, let me, I'll come back tomorrow. Mm -hmm. Like and they're like rugs and gold is mm -hmm. probably like the two things over there that wow. really a lot of people. Rugs, gold. Um when I went there, my first got there in 05 was probably like my first port visit. Mm -hmm. And I, I, everybody was like, yo, we got to get that gold chain. We got to get that gold chain. And luckily, we were there for 13 days, our very first time in Bahrain. And I would go to the little shop, mm -hmm. and I would walk away. And I did that two or three times before I talked my guy down mm -hmm. to, like, the price that I wanted to pay. That's your goal. Yeah, that's how that's the, how they do, though. That's their culture. Yeah. Like, they want to get to know you. And you go in there, and you learn the language, like, some few little sayings or whatever, and then you just kind of like, all right, cool, you good peoples. 
Yeah. Nah, yeah you that, still got that gold chain. I, <laughs> I do. Yes. I want to see like, it. I bet it's that pure, pure. It, it is. It's. It's. It doesn't look like every other gold. It really mm-hmm. is just shiny. I keep it um locked up. Obviously, I don't want to walk around with it, mm-hmm. but. I had it custom made. I put little diamonds on all oh. little spots. Like I knew what I wanted before I even got there, mm-hmm. and they were just like, "Yeah, we'll take care of you." But yeah, nightlife aside, what's that nightlife looking nightlife like? Nightlife is insane. They got so much money over there; it's ridiculous. I didn't, yeah. What they doing? What they popping bottles? They got the they have bottle wars. Like okay, that happens like Miami, Vegas, everywhere else. But they like ridiculous. Like they are insane. They're, they're clubs, and they're like even though like little lounges are like compared to most clubs here. Mm. And their clubs are like Vegas and oh. Miami, but they on every corner. Every corner of that God. Hey. Yeah. So, so you, you walk in you, you walk into that and then you walk from one bar, you walk from one club to the next. And then it's just kinda like, Well, this is what we doing. We club hopping. But in Bahrain. And nobody would expect it unless you were there. And again, it's international culture. So everybody like authentic. Like you walk in some spots in the US and you got a lot of visitors, a lot of immigrants that make the culture here like if you go down to miami there's a lot of immigrants Mm -hmm. but when you go to places overseas like bahrain it's the people that actually came from africa it's the people that actually came from the uk Mm -hmm. that are there visiting that make that culture Mm -hmm. like the dj actually came from africa not his parents wow he actually came from uh the philippines Mm -hmm. so that really enhanced the entire scene over there too Mm -hmm. you just you just soak it all in and you enjoy it like we were chilling with like when you think of Ethiopians, right? Mm-hmm. Like all you know is what you see on television. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people grow up and they see like they remember the commercials from back in the day with the with Ethiopians. the babies hungry yeah. with the flies going. Oh around. no 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 no! It ain't nothing. I already know it ain't nothing like that. No 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 no. The Ethiopians <laughs> probably was like the Ethiopians and the Moroccans were probably like my biggest <laughs> eye opener mm-hmm. because they came in there and was like, "You from Ethiopia? Hold on, no, you're not. No way." And they would come in there and party, and the ladies were like absolutely. Beautiful. Beautiful people. And then it just the fellas was coming in. They had their own swag and their own dances. And I was like, man, y'all really know how to party. Mm-hmm. It was just like culture shock. Yeah. You know, that's like right now on social media, you know, we're exposed to so many different cultures. Now, I follow a lot of different uh, people from all over, but the Africans, mm-hmm. they are doing it. Doing it. Doing it. Killing and like the game with their right real now. money. Killing the game. They, but that's the thing. Like, you, 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 if you notice the music, everything moves in waves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you've seen, like, at one point, like, for me, I really started paying attention, like, 2000, because that's when I started to get to the game heavy, and then the kind of, like, follow music. Yeah, so you would see, like, then it was kind of the reggaeton, and then it jumped into the dance hall, and then it kind of jumped into, like, all right, now we're back in the U.S. for a little while, like, so when the South started picking it up, like, and then it kind of turned into the whole EDM scene, mm-hmm. and then it kind of followed up with now in like late nineteen, we're seeing like the Afro beats really start to pop off. Mm-hmm. And but the thing is, Afro beats always been there. It's always, it's been always here. been there. Yeah. I got first exposed to Afro beats my first time in Bahrain in two thousand ten. What did you think when you heard it? I didn't know what was going on. I was like, what is that? Well, it, it, well, the thing was, it reminded me of dance hall, mm-hmm. and I kind of like I said, Sean Paul and like was probably, in my opinion, one of the biggest influences of all the music. Mm-hmm. And um, that hit really big on the East Coast scene down in Florida. That whole I don't know how it hit in Memphis. I don't know, mm-hmm. but um, not they, really. The, the DJs was trying to put it in really, there, but it took a it took a minute because DJ D Nice he tried to introduce a lot of those shout out D Nice, my guy. Shout right out D Nice. Yeah. Shout out D Nice, man. But he told his story on the podcast. He kept trying to yeah. put it in. And a lot of the club owners were like, hey, we don't play that here. Blah, wow. blah, blah. But he finally got an opportunity to play what he wanted, and people loved it. And wow. then, of course, all the DJs followed suit. Of course. That's what I said. There's a lot of followers. Um, there's a lot of influencers. You know, yeah. there's, a, there's only a few leaders. Okay. Um, but uh, that's yeah, why. But I'm, he loves you. Oh, that's my guy, he man. Like, well, he's one of the first people like, well, that literally, like, I kind of saw that was like, hey, you. Are you really from here? Mm-hmm. So he's different with it. So that's kind of how we kind of linked up on it. Yeah. That's my guy for real. I want to go to Bahrain. I'm not. I'm a, look, <laughs> there's a possibility. You're going. I might be out there. And then um, make sure you definitely come out there. Let me know. Let, Let why me not? Know. We're going to have the podcast in Bahrain. You know, oh, that would be 2020. So why not? So now, Bahrain, 2020. <laughs> 2020 planning, Bahrain. Okay. So you left Bahrain and you were here in Tennessee. Yeah. What's it, up with the Millington? I see that's what my family 
That's what we moved from St. Louis, Missouri mm-hmm. to Millington, Tennessee. That was the last place my dad was stationed before he retired. I was okay. in the military. Okay. Millington was a culture shock for me, baby. Really? Yeah. Now, see, I hear a lot about how Millington was. It used to be the air base. It used to be very yeah. big and a lot. And then it kind of uh, shut everything it was down. It a big Navy base. Yeah. I mean, it was flooded with people everywhere when we first moved on base. Mm-hmm. But shortly after, we're talking about like 96. 95, 96, 97-ish. Then they closed the base down. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you know, it was no one. There was like a ghost town. I believe it. Yeah. But when it was lit, it was lit. I believe that too because, trust me, we hear the stories <laughs> and we see the the um, the um remains of everything So you there. came when there were remains. I get told the stories about the history of Millington because it was such a big base mm-hmm. and there was a lot that happened here. Yeah. We always get told stories, especially there's a lot of civilians that work in Millington that were there. Mm-hmm. And they're always telling us, like, man, this place used to be thriving. Yo, this My place used to be what it is. What? And then we were like, what's going on now, though? <laughs> oh, Sam. Yes. I yeah. remember I had a job at McDonald's on base, and you could you could never get a break. I mean, because the guys, the Navy guys, they were – it was just – no, it was just so busy on the base. Oh man, I'd pay double right now to have McDonald's on base. Look, I know, right? Because uh, what, what can you get any food on base? That's right a now? subway on base. That's, that's it. That's about it. That's, that's the Navy about, Exchange, that's right? It. That's it. Just a subway. I we got to drive you... in the down uh, Navy Road and right. But find you out what's get going the, on uh, over there. You can get your liquor for no taxes. Hey, I, ain't, I ain't putting my business out there. Everybody be trying to hit me up on that. I right. know they do because <laughs> I be hitting my daddy up. They be daddy, like, hey, we hey. need to go to Navy Exchange. And when it's on. That's a big win. Oh, the Hennessy. They don't even put the Hennessy on sale Mm-mm. no more. Look, I, the first time it was shot to me was when I tried to go to a store out in town and buy some Hennessy. And it was like, oh, $60 for a bottle. I was like, what? Right. And, then they, and then they put the tax on top of it. And I was like, what? And then the next time, they didn't even have any. It was like, yeah, we all sold out. But I remember just leaving the base mm-hmm. the day before, and there was a whole aisle of Hennessy. I was like. It probably was a line out the door, too. Oh, yeah. I learned my lesson quick. It was like, yeah, yeah we shopping on base. Wow. Okay, so you get to Millington. Were you already in the music scene at that point here in Memphis? Like, in Memphis, I, I knew nothing about Memphis. Like okay. I didn't, I didn't grow up listening to Memphis music. The only thing I knew about Memphis was I heard like some Three Six Mafia songs, and I know um, what was it? There was like one or two Yo Gotti songs that kind of like hit the scene. Like growing up in North Carolina, I was straight East Coast Northeast. Like, that's all the music that I really listened to. Like, even in Florida, like, I only knew, like, Trick Daddy and maybe, like, a couple of Trina songs. So when I pulled up in Memphis, I was like, all right. Luckily, I had the internet. I had Google. I had YouTube. And I was like, what is really happening here in Memphis? Because I didn't know nothing about this place. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I got here. I was DJing um, at the Bahrain, you know, and then there was my club scene and stuff like that, trying to bring the international vibe here to Memphis. Mm -hmm. And... It just happened. Like, at that point, um, when I first got here, my first, like, I try to tell people, this is how you, like, there's a formula, there's a solution, there's a way to make things happen if you really, really want them to happen. You sit down, you plan it out, and then you do it, execute Mm -hmm. it. So that's what I did. I moved here um, a week that I was living here. I was in a hotel um, because I didn't have a place to stay yet. And then, you know, I was in the uh, the rental car because my truck hadn't even got here yet. Are you fresh in the city? Fresh in the city. You're and trying to figure out what's what. I, yeah, exactly. What so was, I, wait, what was your biggest misconception about Memphis? Vis- misconception about Memphis? <laughs> yeah, at that point. Uh, at that point, I I hadn't really explored anything. Um, I hadn't I hadn't been downtown. I hadn't been nothing. Um, all I did was checking at work and... For me, I thought I was going to be a little bit closer to the base, but it was still a 30-minute drive from Cordova to get all the way to, to Millington. Yeah. So if I had to say my biggest concession about Memphis, I thought it would be a bit busier on that mm-hmm. side of town. It wasn't. It was like it reminded me of home a lot, you know, like on the outskirts of Wake Forest, kind of Raleigh. Like it's developed, but it's not popping. But it's got a lot building. Potential. Yeah, so that's why it kind of reminded me mostly about uh, being on Cordova, up and down, Germantown Boulevard. That's where my hotel was, on Germantown Boulevard. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I had the rental car. I had the hotel. I was on Google. I was like, all Trying right. Trying to figure it out. I got to get this. I got to, because I had the, all the momentum from Bahrain. Like, I just left the, the island. I just left the kingdom. I uh, was killing it out there. I was out there for a year. Um, and I was just like, yo, I got to bring that same momentum to Memphis. So you actually started DJing when you were in Bahrain. 
my first tour in Bahrain, yeah, because um, I was in Jacksonville, December 2009, got my turn, bought my little turntables. Or we just came back from deployment. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, I already had a music collection and stuff. There was a guy on the ship that actually DJed. Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of like staring at him, was like, yo, let me, I want to do this. I want to do what you're doing. And then he let me try stuff out one time. And I was like, all right, I'm on deployment. I got some money. When I get back, boom, I dropped what I wanted to drop. So I got my little, first thing I had was a controller, little NS7 controller. Um, a lot of people sleep on controllers, but, you know, it's just a DJ thing. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of people carry the crates around. Yeah. It, it's different. I can I can dive into that beyond diving into it. But point being, bought my little controller. And then um, sitting there trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And then 2009, December 2009, that's when I really started. Um, I didn't really do clubs, parties, or nothing like that. And then my guy, who was one of my mentors at the time, shout out DJ Swing, my mentor was like, he went to Bahrain. He had already been there. I was like, you got orders to Bahrain? Bro, take your stuff. Because remember, mm-hmm. I said I was going to be like, I'm just going to work out, stack some money. Mm-hmm. Now he was like, take your stuff. You're going to rock that. Mm-hmm. He made a couple cone calls. He was like, yo, my guy's coming out there. He's dope. Mm-hmm. I ain't know nothing about nothing. But he was like, he's dope. He vouched for me because that was my mentor. And he took care of me. And when I got out there, they was like, all right, here's some little parties. Go do your thing. I learned. I developed. Came back to Jacksonville. Got a little bit bigger. You know, learned some stuff on the mobile scene. Went back to Bahrain. And I was like, let's go. So the second tour is when we took off. Mm -hmm. I landed on the plane, was in a hotel. Boom. I was at a pool party two weeks later, DJing, rocking it. Mm. And then from there, it was like, let's go. So for an entire year, it was club after club after club, two, three, some four times, four times a night sometimes, or mm. four times a week sometimes, mm-hmm. just jumping through the scene, having a good time. That's what it was all about. And it was that international vibe. It was, it was. Mind you, I still had a Navy job during the day. Mm-hmm. I still had a nine to five. I was still on call 24-7. Mm. And we had to make sure, you know, that was my A. I had to handle that first because that's yeah. the whole reason I'm in Bahrain. A lot of people forget about um, as a dual um personality so to say as a dual job as handling two jobs i feel you yeah they, they see the dj side and they think they're partying like yeah a lot of people my family they see the the media posts and everything like all you do out there is party 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 mm-hmm. like hold on first of all i can't tell you what i'm doing it's top secret united states navy <laughs> <laughs> can't tell y'all what i do right. but y'all can see this side of things mm-hmm. so yeah I rock the whole memphis i uh, rock the whole bahrain scene and i wanted to bring that energy back to memphis mm-hmm. and then um i'm sitting in my hotel room like what am i about to do so I hop on Google. It's a Thursday night. And then my guy's like, uh, so what you going to do? I was like, I don't know. Like, my guy was on the phone with me, and he was like, I'm just going to do something. And I was thinking, I was like, Bahrain, hookah. I love hookahs. Um, I love lounges. I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I Google hookah. I Google lounges. I drove, got in the rental car, and was like, let's go. Mm-hmm. Drove to the first one on the scene. I ain't gonna name no names. Name it. I ain't gonna. I, I ain't gonna name, name no names. But I drove up to the hookah lounge somewhere in Bartlett or something. In I don't know. Bartlett. Sat in the car. I looked at it and I was like, "This ain't the one." <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm top. This ain't it. This ain't the one. I just sat there in the parking lot for 20 minutes and I was like, "Just I don't know." Looking at people go in and out. Like, nah, this ain't it. Cause I tell DJs if you want a DJ on the night, you got to. Scope the scene. You got to learn what it is. You got to go out on the night that you want to DJ. And it was Thursday night. That's the first night I went in. I pulled up. Nope. So I was like, all right, Google to the next one. So I hopped back in the car. And you're up. by yourself. I'm by myself. Just, to figure it out. Yeah, just okay. by myself, just riding around. Like, you don't again, know nobody. I don't know nobody in the city. Okay. I don't know nobody in the city. I hop in the car. I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to the next one, try to figure out what's going on. I drive down and I pull back up in Germantown. And the name of the place is called Blow. Ah. And then. So this is when it was at its old location over okay. across from the movie theater. Okay. And I just was like, again, I hung out outside. I'm listening for some music. I'm like, is something going on? Nothing. Place is like, chilling is a nice vibe, but the people walking in and out. I'm like, all right. I walk in there, and then I just go sit down. And I'm just, again, scoping the place out. I don't know who's who. And I go sit at the bar, talk to the bartender. Bartender's nice. Let me get a drink, whatever, whatever. And then I was like, there was no DJ. There was, but Why? there was... They didn't, not early, early. They didn't have a DJ. They was just like, all right, cool. Let's sit down, have a drink. I ordered a hookah. I was like, all right, the hookah's good. I just came from Bahrain, the best hookahs in the world. Mm-hmm. Like, and then I come in here, I'm like, all right, smoke on my yeah, hookah. You ain't going to get no Bahrain hookah nah, over here. Nah. Okay. There's a, that's a couple of, nah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's all love, though. It's all love, though. Okay. Um, but when I sat at the bar and then I started asking questions. So I was like, why y'all ain't got no DJ here? What's going on Thursday nights? What do y'all do during the weekend? 
trying to inquire about the place. And the next little that I know, the owner, like, sitting two seats down from me. And I'm sitting there asking questions to the bartender. And he's, and I was like, so who's y'all's manager on that? You know, the, the typical questions that you ask to try to find out who's in charge and who I actually need to talk to. Mm-hmm. And then, so me and him, I found up and I was like, shout out Darnell. Mm-hmm. And he was sitting over there. He actually took the time to have a conversation with me. And um, we sat down and chopped it up for five minutes. Like, yeah, I'm new to the city. Don't nobody know who I am. But, you know, I, I like what you're doing here. This is a nice place. Y'all need a DJ. Mm-hmm. Just broke it down. I was like, y'all need this. Like, man, we don't need no DJ, man. You know, I don't know if you know Darnell, but he was like, man, we don't need no DJ. And I was like, nah, you need something going on here on a Thursday night. So he was like, all right, you know, come out next week and we'll try it. Mm-hmm. You know, on, in short, in short, you know, it was Just definitely like the, the conversation, conversation was, yeah, we had some conversation, but um, hindsight, I know he always is forward thinking. So he's like, man, if you're going to do something different, then do it. You ain't from around here. I know what he's thinking, but he he put on a front. Mm-hmm. So he's like, yeah, come on, man. Come on out, basically. So the next week, I had one week. I ain't had no gear. All I had was my laptop and my mix. And I was like, shit, I ain't going to miss no opportunity. Right. So I went to Best Buy, bought a turntable, oh, one turntable. Get it right. Look, look, I bought, found the cheapest turntable I could get. Mm-hmm. Went in there the next week and then set up the turntable and then just did my thing. You know what I'm saying? Try to make sure that, you know, I did everything. Again, not knowing. What vibe was you giving? I just did me. Like, okay. I tried, like, for me, I try to to do a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Um, to try to figure out the crowd. Well, yeah, because I didn't know what Memphis was. Mm-hmm. Again, all I knew was, like, YouTube type in Memphis. All I see is, yo, got it. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So, shout out to, to the Memphis vibe. Yeah, y'all got y'all. This is a whole nother country here, too. I know, right? You, oh, look, it took country. you a minute to figure this one out, it huh? Did, it did. I ain't gonna lie. I had to do a lot of homework. Yeah, this is, this is a different market. Yeah, so when I got there, I did the thing. He was like, Alright, man, you alright. And then the crowd was like the crowd was in there that was vibing. I was like, all right. He was like, Yeah, come on back next week. And then from there, we just grew. Mm-hmm. Um But this was a weeks before he went to his new spot. He was like, Man, we about to move to this other spot. So that was kind of time off. So um the other side was I have a passion for roller skating. Really? Yes. Oh, you good. You I, you know how to backwards and d- drop it down low with the skate. I got a, I got a few tricks. I used oh, okay. to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, yeah. Like when you see the roll bounce video, yeah. like a few years ago, that was me, okay. all over the place. But um, it ain't me. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I'm all right, but I can't do any tricks or nothing. Nah, we used to really get it. I don't know if you've been to roller skating here in Memphis. Mm-hmm. So have you been to East End? Yeah. And then like you've been to Adult Night on Sunday. No. Okay. So that's when you need to go. That's, that's when you there. That's when you. Uh, not me. No. <laughs> I've been. Shout out to Jay at East End. Shout out to Vazilla. Um, back at um, what was the name of your other place? Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace. Mm-hmm. I was. I, I got the opportunity to go spin there before it closed. Okay. Um. Again. Shout skating out. is fun. It is. And then, you know, while you're out there skating and the music, right? It's just a vibe. It's, it's just, a it's is you can't really describe. You just gotta be in no, there. No, you um, can't describe. Because you're rolling and you vibing mm-hmm. and like when you're in the adults and you're hearing the music, it's like in the club. Like a whole totally different crowd comes out skating mm-hmm. than that goes to the clubs. Mm-hmm. And then you get the people that are like, Man, I don't like being on but it's a workout. It's a it's workout. The energy. It's it's a family because you you see the same people all the time mm-hmm. in the skate rink. Whereas the club, it's like it's a constant rotation. You get your few regulars, but you get um, in the skate rink, the same people come out. You'll see that um, that husband and wife that come out mm-hmm. every Sunday. Or you'll see that uh, that one girl that doesn't like to do anything, but then she discovers roller skating and she's out there every Sunday learning. And then she like meets somebody who she would have never met, like this whole clique. And then, you know, next thing, those guys, it, it's just a totally different vibe. And then it becomes a skate family. So to say, and that's kind of what I did in Raleigh, and I took that whole vibe to Florida, caught the Florida vibe, what? and then like I said, Memphis skate community, y'all got like a really big skate community here in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a big community. It's a big really? community, bro. When you okay. go out, trust me, when you go out there on Sunday nights, you're probably looking at at least 100 people in the building, mm-hmm. 18 and up, okay. on their own vibe. East End, East End skate rental, um, and um, it gets as much as 300 sometimes, mm-hmm. and they're roller skating. Um, yeah, I got the Southern Roll. Shout out to uh to um the Southern Roll Classic, Southern um what's the the um with Jay Fat and then y'all yeah y'all yeah I'm telling you, you just gotta go. I'm telling you, <laughs> I'm a, I need you to check it out. You just gotta go. I need to check it out. Wow. So did you where did it come a time where you figured out your formula for the Memphis vibe? No. 
Now? Nah. I, 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 honestly, you're just doing you. I, I, that's that's what I'm trying to do. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, I've been here for two and a half years. Two and a half years. And when I first got here, it was just kind of like, all right, the whole thing was like culture shock for me, mm-hmm. and nobody knew who I was. I didn't have a following. Mm-hmm. I didn't have anybody that could vouch for me. It was just a matter of I popped up in Memphis and like let's go. Mm-hmm. And I wanted, I knew what I wanted to do, but it was just a matter of doing it. Mm-hmm. So when I went to the skate rink, and Fat was like, "Who are you? Like, what do you want?" And then I was like, "Yo, can, mind if I come spend with you?" And again, that goes back to that skate family thing because he was like, "Ah, right, you seem legit." He saw me skate. And he was like, I know you I know you, you, you ain't from around here. <laughs> so he saw me skate and he was like, he took a chance and he said, All right, cool. Come bring your tables and come spin. Next week I was spinning in Crystal Palace DJing and he was like, You all right? Mm-hmm. You know, because I could tell that link. He had that Memphis connect and I had everything that was not Memphis connect. Mm-hmm. So we connected. And so he taught me a lot about the Memphis scene and the skate scene here and the music. Um when it came to being in the club scene, when I was at blow, it was just hit or miss. I just had to just try and shoot yeah. shots and see what happens. That's how you learn. Um, Darnell was like, oh, man, you, you bring that whole Miami, that whole Vegas vibe, that international scene. Like, we need to do something. And he tried to like, you know, put me in spots to do it. And I was just kind of like, they ain't doing this, bro. Like, they not on this vibe right now. Mm. So I had to, again, do research, some homework. I had, <laughs> I had to go out to the to the different spots uh-huh. and around the city and be like, luckily I had technology on my side. Yeah. And um I'll just introduce myself to the different DJs. Um another another connect. There was probably three different um three different moments that really helped me build here in Memphis. I talked like I talked about a skate rink mm-hmm. with uh, Fat and Jay. I talked about Blow with uh Dinell. and the other one shout out to uh tubs dj tubs he used to be here in memphis he's out there in vegas killing it right now mm-hmm. but um he had an event and i was like all right cool i'm gonna go figure out what's going on with this guy he had it on facebook advertise or something and then he worked up at the harley davidson station i pulled up to him and he handed me his card i was like all right cool thank you got my tickets walked out but then he was like, I followed him. He was like, oh, I'm spinning. He had an event up at Rumble Room. And I followed him up there. And he seen my face. And again, you know, it's all about connections. It's all about making those relationships. So he seen my face. He walked down to me. He's like, hey, man, what you want to hear? What you would like to listen to? And then he played. I was like, yo, I like to listen to Dance Hall and the Island Vibes. And then he catered to that while early, while I was over there sipping my drink, and, you know, just catching energy. So after that night, he was like, yo, I got some people you need to come meet. Took me down on Bill Street. Walked me down Bill Street. Was like, yo, this is this. This is this. This is this. Walked me up in Ten Roof. It was like, yo, this is Trevor, a.k.a. DJ Streambean. Shout out to Streambean. And then next thing you know, a few moments later, shout out to uh, Tunes. I'm spinning in Ten Roof. Like a few weeks, like maybe a couple of months later, I get the opportunity to spin in Ten Roof. So that's why I say there was three moments that really helped me. And then from those three moments, you just build. Mm-hmm. Like when I went to to Style, I got connects in the um at Blow, the skate rink, and now I'm up and down Bill Street. Mm-hmm. And then that turned into learning uh, Ron, that turned into learning D-Nice, mm-hmm. that turned into uh, 12 Bar with Lex, that turned into, like, so many different, I could just go on and on and on. But, I feel you. You know, it's all about building. Like, you say you want to do something, mm-hmm. that's why I try to tell people, like, just do it. Yeah. Like, just do just it. Do like, it. just if you, if you succeed, if you yeah. fail. Yeah. Go for it. That's really what it is. Now you've been here two and a half years, um, and you've been figuring out figuring it out. How would you describe the music scene here in Memphis if you could describe it? Because it's like no other. It, what is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a love hate relationship. Okay. From not being from Memphis, um, I hate the fact that it's not a lot of diversity. I hate the fact that um, there's so much music out there that gets played around the world and we're not living, we're in 2020 almost, where you can literally connect to somebody on the other side of the world mm-hmm. and and a lot of people don't get exposed to them, different vibes that are out there and just really get to, to catch a vibe and do something different. Um, but I love the fact that Memphis really reps its own. Like the energy behind, like when Memphis puts out Memphis music, like it's it's a whole nother level. And so that's why I say it's a love hate relationship because 
Like you could literally go to a club and play nothing but Memphis music all night, and the people from Memphis will rock with it. Which no shade, that's that's what's up. I like it, but at the same time, you can. How many places can you go to in Memphis and not play a single song from Memphis, and the whole night's going to be a good vibe? Mm, I hear you. So it's kind of like wait, all over the world, you can play all kinds of music, and 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 not to say Memphis is isolated because I mean you can go to the other cities, you can go to Be More, you can go to the the Bay. Um, Chicago, you're gonna. Everybody's got their own flavor. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I'm totally respect to everybody's individual flavor, mm-hmm. but it's just kind of like that. But all those other big cities get the international vibes. I don't know if because it's Memphis, it doesn't get a lot of immigration from different places. Um, mm. I mean, I know there's kind of like it's hard to explain it. Yeah, I promise you, it's hard to explain it. Memphis is just like no other, like you said. <laughs> I mean, um, deeply rooted in music at the same time, which is. Mm-hmm. You know, weird because we've influenced so many. So much influence. Right. In so. the last few years alone, everybody, like, looks at Memphis for so much of their yes. inspiration. But when you come to that nightlife and these vibes you're trying to accumulate, I, I, I understand what you're saying. And with that being said, if you could create any event in the city of Memphis, what would it be if you could create? If I could create an event? You. It would be an event, really, where people get exposed to new stuff. Um, not just local talent, but worldwide. Um, like you could really come there and just listen to again hashtag no drama. Like you come in there and it's not gonna be um, straight rap all night. It's not gonna be R and B all night. It's not gonna be uh, Latin music over here all night. It's not gonna be Afro. It's gonna be everything an entire night. Um, where and that's kind of where I feel like I get a lot of inspiration from when I listen to the DJs overseas because they play everything all night long. They have to cater to so many different people. That's the type of energy that should be, I feel, in every city. Like, of course, if you don't, if you want, all you want to hear is rap music all night, you know you can go to this place, you're going to hear rap music all night. That's all I want to hear. I don't want to hear nothing else but that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. so, or I want to go to this Neo Soul place. All I want to hear is Neo Soul. That's all I want to hear all night. Mm-hmm. But if there's a place that has everything and the DJ knows how to transition from song to song, the crowd knows that they're there for everything. And and that can be so magical because you can create moments that don't happen any other night. Yeah. There's so much music, there's so much diversity. No one's gonna play the same songs every single night. You're not gonna go in there and, oh, I heard this song, you know, last night at the other place, you know? Exactly. And the DJ's not gonna play it the same way. There's a lot of creative DJs in the city, a lot. It's a lot. But they don't get the opportunity to do that. I know. I know, and and with me being in radio for about twenty years now, I've seen the growth of mm-hmm. the DJ community. Oh yeah, and I mean, and with technology being different as well, I mean, I, I see them creating their own. You know, um, whether it be you know a different night, you know, unlike you know your normal club nights that everybody you see the same people all the time. They are out here really creating you know, their own ticket. They are, they are. But I would like to see something as you just described as well. You you should do it. Just do it. What are we doing? What's going on? I I tried to, for me, I kind of approached it in a different manner. Um, I knew knew when I got here, I was only visiting. Oh. So I knew I had a, I have an expiration date in Memphis. Okay. Why? Why? Your enlistment is coming? No, because I'm in the Navy. So when we go from places, you know, we're only there for three, four years at a time. So for me to to grow roots here in Memphis, mm-hmm. it's not something that I like. If I were here for five, six, seven, eight years, mm-hmm. I like I would have approached the game totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, I would have found a spot. I would have set up camp. I would have grew it, made it happen. Um, but because I knew I had an expiration date here in Memphis, mm-hmm. um, like it took me one year to get to know what's happening. Yeah. It took me my second year. To be like, all right, let's ride out because I'm now I'm I'm doing good. Let me profit off of my first year of learning mm-hmm. and make something of it. And now my third year here is going to be, all right, I'm just going to have the time of my life doing what I do because I know after the third year there's no more of this. When is your expiration date? Um, right now I got transfer in July. Where are you going? Back to Bahrain. Oh, you going back to where you want to 
<laughs> B, how you get so lucky to go back to hot <clears throat> hey? It just happened. It just happened. <laughs> I, I think you pulled some strings to go back to Bahrain. Hey, I, sometimes, hey, sometimes it's the perks of the job. Sometimes it, you know, you get the the, the be in the positions to make that happen. But I was definitely, um, definitely looking forward to going back to Bahrain, taking what I learned from Memphis um, in the business scene. I definitely learned a lot here from business. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, like I said. Wow. Well, I wish you the best of luck in Bahrain, DJ Brandon Adams, DJ No Genre. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I know you're going to be all right. I, it'll be good. I, I, but, I mean, all the DJs here in Memphis, there's, so again, so many DJs. Like, when you say you're looking forward to the, how the DJ scene's grown here in the past few years. Yeah, definitely. Um, and, like I said, I wouldn't be been as successful as I've been mm-hmm. in Memphis without the help of all the DJs here in Memphis. Mm-hmm. Um and so that's why I say, you know, shout out to all the DJs here in Memphis mm-hmm. that said that I've walked up to and, and introduced myself. And they were mm-hmm. like, oh, man, it's all love, yo. What do you want to do? All love. Yeah. Now, I saw you at the Ladies Love Day Parties. Remember Again, that? Shout, out, shout out to the She DJs having yes. a good time. Yes. What's up, KP? And, um, you know, that was a different vibe because mm. all of the ladies brought a different flavor, each one of them. They did, yeah. I saw you rocking out. Of course. Of course. I, yes, when that I, when was fun. I always, like... For DJs, it's hard to go to somebody else's set, you know, and not critique them or say, "Oh, I could be doing this better," mm-hmm. or you know, "I don't like the way they did this event." And same yeah. thing with promoters too. Shout out to promoters. I know y'all work hard, but it's like it, it takes a while to grow out of that. And then what? But the best you could like DJs have the time in their lives when they can get out of that phase and just go have a good time. Mm-hmm. You know, not matter of how the DJ is, you know, experienced or because everybody looks at music differently. Yeah. So when you go and have a good time, you're like, oh, I want to jump in your energy as behind the decks and not really worried about how you're doing it. That's why it was that was what happened there at that day party. That was a great energy. That was a great it vibe. Was. And they was killing it. They was yeah. killing the energy that day. Yeah, that was that was fun. So that was a great experience. I'm glad I got the opportunity to do that. Wow. Now let's jump into some current events, DJBA, because I think you will have a lot to say Uh about some Uh of the current events. Now, we recently had a tragedy in um, the music world, the juice world. Mm -hmm. Um, It came to, uh, well, the facts that are coming out was that, you know, he loaded the plane. There were some drugs on the plane, um, pills, weed, guns. The pilot told him, hey, when we land... I'm making a phone call. Mm-hmm. So I guess to, you know, um, not get found out, he swallowed the pills, and which caused a cardiac arrest. Now, were you a big Juice World fan? I, not really. No, I mean, not to, not to throw shade at his music, but I, I just wasn't the my type of vibe, mm-hmm. so I'm energy. Now, it's something to obviously follow as a DJ and play mm-hmm. his music and know his stuff. And there was he had some good tracks, so definitely. Um, but, yeah, for that to happen, I, I think that was his. how it happened. Like, I, think, I wasn't expecting those facts to come out like that. Well, that's the thing. They, with so much things happening in the music scene, the police are quick to say, you know what, this is how it actually happened. Because um, it was only, what, 24, 48 hours later, the story got yeah. put out after everybody was like, RIP. And then 24, 48 hours later, it's like, all right, these are the facts. Wow. So it's a bit transparent there. Uh, and the guy was only supposed to turn, that was his 21st birthday, the day it happened. Yeah. He landed in Chicago and it was his 21st birthday. That's so sad. Yeah, it is. And, and it's sad that, like, Young young people with so much talent, you know, mm-hmm. they don't get the, the opportunity to to be um, mentored to not do those things. Right. Because he rapped about drug use. Yeah. So, I mean, he was a, a big <laughs> proponent for yeah, it. Yeah, but, I mean, but to, come on, man. Like, Why after you swallow the that? bills and then you know what's going to happen. Yeah. I don't know. Was, I don't know. That was a bit much. Sad. That was a bit so much. Sad. That was so sad. And it was a bit much. And then, you know, but the thing is, other people are going to learn from it. Mm-hmm. Some people will, and then some people won't. And then the people that don't are going to continue on and do the same thing. Mm-hmm. And it's and, and how do you how do you fix that? Yeah. Like, again, with the mentor and, you know, how they're raised, like, not to say, you know, he was raised a certain way, but it's just kind of like that's a reflection of, you know, how people are raised, and they say, oh, fuck that, you know what I'm saying? Like, I got all these drugs, I got all this money, yeah. whatever, whatever. You know, I, I don't care. The pilot, you know, whatever. And he snitched on him. He snitched. But he obviously he obviously valued his career over what was going on. Yeah. And and it, who knows how that's going to turn out. But Man, <laughs> I wonder if the pilot is feeling some kind of way now. Probably yeah. not. I Probably wouldn't expect not. it. But you know what? I do uh, wish that some of these artists 
would not glorify drugs in their music, though, because these kids are listening. Like, why are y'all talking about this? It's Music is powerful. It is. There's a lot of stuff that I don't play um, specifically because of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's or I'll find like the cleanest radio edit version of it, um, and I play like even like when I made the mixes on K97, mm-hmm. right? And then I started doing those things, and he was like, "All right, these are the top songs that we're like that I want to vibe mm-hmm. to." And I'm making my my set, and I'm thinking about how I want to do it, and I'm like, "I don't like the way that song play. Like I wouldn't want to hear that in the car with my daughter in the back seat." And then, um, so I was like, "I'm not gonna play it," mm-hmm. and and that's the type of. Um, that's the type of, I don't really want to say protest, but because there are people out there that do um, enjoy that kind of music, and they're going to, you know, obviously going to do whatever they want to do. They're going to do what they want to do now. Yeah, but as no myself, I'm not playing that. Like, I'm not a, no. No. <laughs> no, but, yeah, yeah, it is what it is. It is what it is. Now, let's talk about Lizzo for a moment. Did you <laughs> Oh, why are you laughing? All I remember was seeing the news headlines, and I was like, "What did is you she see thinking? the video? What is she thinking?" Like, okay, so Lizzo had a straight up thong on, had her ass out at the NBA game. The man who is on the the camera put the shot right on her, right on and it. she was dropping it like it's hot at a NBA game. Floor side, floor side. <laughs> Floor side. Now, I don't know. So people were trying to say it's 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 about you know oh don't discriminate against women that are plus sizes. It's, it's not even about that. It's not. It's not because if you was a little a little slim thick chick and did that, you wrong. Mm-mm. You don't do that. That's tacky as hell, in my opinion. What you beyond think, tacky? Like again, Dude. like you just said, what if it was somebody else? What if it was a guy? You what know, if it was a guy? What if it was a guy? Like, that what was you doing? doing? That? Like, okay, Lizzo, shout out um, to to her whole movement, but it's kind of like to the point to where you, you cross the you're line. You're doing too yeah, much. Yeah, you're doing for too attention. much for attention. Exactly. And and she has so many accolades right now. Like she's popping. Why would you go and do something like that when you know? Like, what was your expectations knowing that she was gonna walk into that scene? It was my question. Like, you thought yeah. you was gonna walk around and everybody's gonna be like, "Go, Lizzo!" Like, nah, no, ma, nah, ma, not at all. Lizzo, <laughs> you get a thumbs down. Thumbs down. Big two thumbs down. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. Put that sound effect. Wah, wah. Okay, last current event. R. Kelly is in the news because of uh, the second season of Surviving R. Kelly. Is coming out at the top of January. And Didn't the first one like win an Emmy? <laughs> I, I, I think they were nominated for an Emmy. Wow. But in this Surviving R. Kelly Part 2, The Reckoning, it's going to talk about, um, it's going to include new alleged survivors. And kind of more so of what you saw in the beginning, but more women are coming out. I don't think R. Kelly getting out of jail. What you think? Well, I haven't watched the first one. Okay, um, I did. I, I can, I've only heard... Mm-hmm. what it is um but i didn't watch the first one mm-hmm. like i said um i i don't know what they think of that really because i haven't drive i haven't taken down that scene mm-hmm. um is it something i'll eventually do maybe probably i probably will mm-hmm. um again with the second one coming out and the first one being so popular are one you an day, r kelly fan i look i am definitely an r kelly fan like okay. of his music of his music like yeah. there's no denying his music mm-hmm. um it, it's just a big misfortune that everything how his music is like between when Jay Z and R. Kelly was out, like mm-hmm. yo, I was like the R and B thug, Man. you know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. and then Jay Z, my guy, was right there popping. Like, mm-hmm. like my first concert was the R. Kelly and Jay Z concert that I went to, and all of his music, uh, I still like, I still play bits and pieces of it when I feel comfortable with the crowd. Yeah. So, to to not go down that path right now, I'm not, I'm not doing it. So I haven't, I don't know. The second one is going to be probably the point where I got to go see what this <laughs> happening. Like, yeah. And just be able to speak on it. Well, it'll be on Lifetime. It'll be on Lifetime. Like, and, and it kind of makes me think about also the whole deal with Harvey Weinstein. Mm-hmm. It came out this week that Harvey Weinstein, um, he's just going to pay out a settlement in civil court to the women that were sexually assaulted. And you know how many women it was that, that he sexually assaulted? And now it's just going to be paid out um in a settlement, and guess what? It's not coming out of his pockets. It's mm. coming out of insurance companies' pockets. 
Like what? Yeah. So it's he don't get to go to jail, but all these other people that have been doing sexual assault got to go to jail. Disgrace. It, it just money makes talk. Mind blowing. It the is. It money is. talk. It is. It just doesn't make any sense. But hey, I, again, here in America, like you said, money talks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just something we got to live with, and it, and, and it sucks. It, just plain point, it's it's BS, yeah. you know. But now they ain't doing no sexual assaults out there in Bahrain. I mean, that's that's. What's going on in Bahrain? What this scene look That's like? worldwide. It's worldwide. It's worldwide okay. problem. It's a worldwide issue. I got approached by a car and some guy like was like, "Yo, you want to come?" And I was like, "No." And he was like, "I give you money." Like, trust me, me walking, me, my little light skinned bald head dude walking down the street. What? Tried to get. You know, trust me when I say it's worldwide. You know, mm-hmm. and even if anything, it's worse over there. Really? It's because there's so many people. There's with, not that many laws in place. It's not. No, the laws are way stricter. Okay. Way stricter than okay. here. Like. When you look up like the kingdom of Bahrain, they have a king, and then the laws come down, and they're ready to like really mess people up if they don't follow Trump. these laws. Yeah. So when you start talking about human trafficking, when you start talking like big, 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 you think yeah, it's only getting light here in America. It's been big over there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. When you start talking about uh, women's rights, big, big, you, like they just started driving in Iran mm-hmm. and Saudi Arabia and stuff like that. Um, when you start talking about, like you said, sexual assault and stuff like that, big because women don't have those opportunities to speak and they feel um, threatened if they get an opportunity to say something big. Wow. And again, myself, a guy walking down the street gets approached by somebody, mm. you know, like, hey, not wow. my guy. Don't do that. No, no, not around here. No, <laughs> sir. No, sir. Yeah. Yeah. You see? You no, 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 it. no. Not today. But I mean, that's again, it happens. Oh, wow. So, yeah. Yeah, we got a worldwide problem. A worldwide problem. Wow. Well, you know what, DJBA, I have really enjoyed you on the podcast. I hate that you're leaving in July, but I know you'll come back to visit, right? Absolutely. That, that's the thing. Like, when you go from city to city and Giddy's Connects, like, everybody's always going to be open to whatever city I get to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, you know, Esco, Verbally Effective, Bahrain 2020. Yes. Come on, Bahrain come on 2020. Now. So, <laughs> you hear that? <laughs> now, how can everybody get in touch with you? So, of course, I'm on the Instagram, dj.ba.nogenre, N-O-G-E-N-R-E. Um, and then on the Facebook, same title, um, Brandon Adams, simple name. My name is my brand. That's why we follow it. So, uh, definitely get on on that. Wow, thank you so much for hanging out with me on episode 99 of the Verbally Effective Podcast. Thank you for having me out here.